0: Welcome to the Allegorical Life. This is the podcast where we discuss the metaphors of life, leadership, and everything in between. Welcome back to another episode of the Allegorical Life. My name's Jordan, and as always, I'm here with Mark Rosweller. By way of introduction, for those of you who don't know Mark, he's worked in crisis, security, and emergency management for over thirty years. His experiences, both personal and professional, have taken him into the world of philosophy, often intersecting with the worlds of theology and mythology. Mark often talks both nationally and internationally about these intersections and how they shape the way we think, speak and act. He talks about the ways that they can influence both the quality of our leadership and more importantly the quality of our lives. Mark, it's great to have you back with us today for another episode of the Allegorical Life podcast. Today, we're talking about busyness and wearing busyness as a badge and are being proud of it. Uh, so first off, what do you think is behind all of this busyness?
1: I think fundamentally, there's two things. The, f- the first is avoidance. Um, we, we often use busyness as an excuse to avoid things, uh, discomfort in our lives, um, uh, things that we prefer not to have to deal with it it could be a relationship matters within family or work or elsewhere it could be financial difficulties, it could be well, anything really that we'd prefer not to have to deal with. often we avoid it by just being busy and and we wear business like a badge so uh we we ask people you know how are you? oh, I'm really busy.' <laughs> That's not necessarily a measure of wellness. Uh, It's a measure of avoidance. And um, so I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is the world expects you to be busy because we are so geared towards efficiency and effectiveness um, and all those things that are so rampant in the workplace, whether you work in the private sector or the public sector or the not-for-profit sector. It just seems to be almost shameful to suggest anything that might imply that you're not being efficient or that you're not being effective or you're not being productive um and the world and its narratives are full of this expectation about productivity and profit um you cannot go through a a news report on a tv station or a radio station or even online without an economic report um I've been listening to economic reports for 55 years. I have no idea what they mean. No idea. But I have to listen to them every news report without fail. Apparently, it's so important to Western society that we can't not have news about economics every day, every hour, every half hour. Uh, we have to know about the economy. If you stop and think about that, that's insane. <laughs> that's That's ridiculous. But we do it. And and so we are so geared towards this notion of being productive. And so I think people, two principal reasons, I think they claim busyness to avoid things they prefer not to deal with. But I think the grand narrative as a society, expect them to be busy anyway. And anything other than being busy is probably viewed on some level as being shameful. Um, and even at the person-to-person level, if if you say that you're not busy... Some people take offence at that because they are and they'd rather not be or they think that you're slacking off or that you're not pulling your weight. Um, I don't think they really stop to think that perhaps you are very efficient um, and uh, on top of your, your game or your gig or you've rebalanced your life sensibly and you can still, in fact, be productive and efficient without being busy. And that's a really interesting concept.
0: Mark, what do you think is the antidote to being busy or that sense of needing to feel busy?
1: um again, I would say principally two things um, how much of what you are doing really in is 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 uh important how important is it really i, I mean they've they've done research on this over the years consistently. I think the statistics come up at about 80% or more of what we do where we think we need to be busy is in fact not true, uh, or and, and it relates to uh, levels or notions uh, of importance. So we get a mindset that says that everything I do is important, and that links back to a mindset that says that's because I'm important. So I'm important and everything I do is important. It's really subtle. It's not, I'm not saying everyone's walking around beating their chests, but... But, if you do check your mind, you'll find that um you know busyness is in there as a badge of honour uh, because it's about self and importance and status and place in the world, which again is driven by societal expectations to be that way um, but look, I think the other thing is so so check you know how how, how what you're doing to what extent is it really important it'll be'll it'll only be about twenty percent of it at the most, probably even less, probably ten percent. But the second thing is um, be patient. And it's interesting. I just ran a workshop in New Zealand and um, surveyed 100 leaders on notions of virtue, kindness, patience, consideration of others, empathy, well-being, uh, and other virtues. And one of those was patience. And, of course, the lowest rating of, of 18 virtues was patience. Um, and I found that really interesting that, uh, that they see it as not as important as other things. Now, um, and it was a tough list because the virtuous ethics are, you know, very attractive to most people, all of them are really. But when patience was rated so low, um, it really said to me that there's the, there's the world narratives or the grand narratives putting pressure on people, um, that they don't have time to be patient. And really, pa- patience is the antidote to anger, frustration, dissatisfaction, um self-importance it 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 eases the mind immeasurably by just slowing it up um and and taking time to think and contemplate you know what is really important you know what what really does need to be prioritized as opposed to what what do i think needs to be prioritized and also what is it that i'm avoiding so patience gives you space inside the mind to settle and to try and rebalance and reprioritize so uh They say patience is a virtue. It's a throwaway line. Uh, It is a virtue, actually. It is absolutely a virtue. And it's virtuous simply because it moves people towards a happier state or a more satisfied state of mind. When we exercise patience, things settle down. The body settles down. The mind settles down as well. There'll be resistance to it because there's another aspect of mind that that just wants to get on with things or doesn't want to look at something or wants to maintain its status. But... But really, patience is a, a wonderful gift of the human mind because it settles things down and we get a chance to reflect and to think a little more deeply about the things that, we're, that are important to us. So, so I think that's probably the answer to the question, Jordan. Um, you know, being mindful about patience I think is very important.
0: You're listening to the Allegorical Life Podcast. Mark in your blog post, you talk about the need to be present. Uh, And given that it can be quite challenging at times to sit and face ourselves, uh, is there anything else besides patience that you would recommend to help people to do that?
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, Be mindful. Um, You know, the West has promoted mindfulness for the best part of 10 years now. There's probably not a person who hasn't, in in the corporate world or in the workplace, been put through some mindfulness training or some exposure to mindfulness, which is a good thing. Um, in principle, I think the West misunderstands mindfulness. It essentially understands it as being in touch with how you feel and where you're at emotionally and where your thoughts are at and not judging and sitting with those thoughts and emotions in a non-judgmental way. Excuse me. That's okay um, to a point. But mindfulness, the purpose of mindfulness is to reintroduce ethics and morality into the mind is to actually allow the mind to ask itself the question, Am I moving towards my happiness here or am I moving towards my suffering? And if I have anger in my mind or frustration or busyness or its self-importance, those sort of things we've just talked about, then I'm not happy. <laughs> they're not they're not measures of happiness, they're measures towards suffering. So mindfulness allows us to say, mm, I'm feeling a bit dissatisfied here. What can I do to rebalance? And of course, if you can combine mindfulness with patience, then you get back on track of feeling a little happier and easing some of the stress and the tension of the mind and the body. So to give, by way of practical example, uh, in in the blog I talked about two examples. One was a gentleman who came off his motorbike and and was injured, not critically, but injured, and and, uh, struggled to lift the bike and, and recover himself and get on with it and it was on a busy road and of course nobody stopped um and i don't know what went on in the minds of all of those drivers but i can guess that they were too busy they had to get somewhere they had to be somewhere that you know there was an important thing to do and apparently that important thing whatever that was was more important than helping a fellow human being who was injured on the side of the road uh clearly with the motorbike laid down and him lying on the road so So really is that a satisfying life for anybody to have that on their consciousness? And it is on the consciousness, whether it comes to full consciousness or not, the mind knows that we've traded that off, we've missed that opportunity, we could have done something and we didn't do it. Some people will be more cognizant of that than others, but the mind certainly does know. But an even worse example was the young cyclist who was killed on the Federal Highway just outside of Canberra. Um, and the police had to put in traffic controls uh, to slow the traffic because of the accident scene. And people were literally abusing the police and yelling out the window and blowing their horns and getting frustrated because they had to slow the traffic to 40 kilometres an hour to protect the scene and protect the emergency services workers. And the young man was still on the road, covered, of course, but still on the road. And it really struck me that, that... people were so busy and so important and so rushed that they didn't have time to stop and be mindful and reflect on the impact of that incident on on the family, uh, on the friends, on the loved ones, on the police who were having to deal with the scene, on the young man himself who'd had his life tragically cut short, that people didn't have a time to stop and think about that, that getting up that highway as fast as possible, as quick as possible, was more important than that very simple contemplation of what it means to be human. And that's why I decided to blog about it, because that, on many levels, is symptomatic or symbolic of where we're at in the world at the moment, of where we put our priorities. And that's playing out significantly in our global politics, particularly in countries like the U.S., and that's a big subject at the moment about notions of importance and busyness and priority, um, we really do have to stop and reflect and be patient and be more mindful and say, really, what is important here? And it's it's an age-old question. This is not a new question. It's a question contemplated by humanity since forever, really. it's not. I don't think it's a new question. I think it's more than ever a more important question now because there is so many things to distract us. There are so many things to keep us busy. I find it fascinating on one level that we're trying to get back to the moon and we're trying to get to Mars. Now, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I don't find the moon a particularly attractive place to live and I find Mars even less attractive if you look at the landscape pictures of Mars. Now, now we need we need frontiers as human beings and up until about 200 years ago, there were plenty of frontiers on this planet Places of the world we hadn't discovered as a global community uh, that doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's. We now know the planet. We, we've walked every square inch of it, essentially. Not quite. There's some areas of forest we haven't got into, but, but essentially we now know the planet. So we've got this obsession with frontier, and there's only two frontiers left now, and one is space, and the second is knowledge, and I would add a third, and that is the human mind, and we're obsessed in getting to space, to get back to the moon and off to Mars. We're obsessed with all of the technologies and things that come to do that, and not all of us are, but I'm just talking very, very generally and broadly. But really, the the last frontier and the most exciting one is the human mind. And I think we've got to get back to understanding that it is fundamental to who we are, is to how our mind operates. We are our body and we are our mind. And that's, that's how we're constituted, at least in Buddhist philosophy. And not knowing our minds and what our minds are capable of in terms of happiness and suffering is a, is a tragedy, in my view. And busyness keeps us away from that. It keeps us in the phenomenal, external, material, physical, essential world uh, and pulls us away from things that are important. So the young man lying on the road, um, to me, was a very powerful symbol of an opportunity to contemplate, to reflect and to give and to pay respects and give regard to a, to a moment of sadness that was completely missed by a whole bunch of people who just thought it was more important to get up the highway and I just find that sad and and if somebody doesn't say something about it, and many people are of course not that specific incident, but this notion of busyness, then we'll all fall into the trap, and I, I just I don't want to see that happen for anyone.
0: Mark, what does the perfect scenario look like, do you think, where we're able to be less busy?
1: Um, I think we'd be better connected uh, to each other. It, it is it is um, a natural part of humanity to be connected. Um, it's not normal or natural for us to be isolated. It's not normal or natural for us to be separated from those that we love or we like or we regard or we respect or we can help, and even those that we don't like or don't necessarily regard still have something to offer, particularly in terms of lessons and teachings uh, about ourselves, but that's probably a subject for a different blog. Um, But when we get pulled away from connectedness and we get pulled away from relationship and relatedness, we do feel lonely. We, We feel lesser as human beings. So I think the great benefit of slowing up reprioritizing, um, toning down these notions of busyness and importance uh, leads us towards flourishing and happiness. And I consistently say this, Jordan, that that's really what we're all trying to do every minute of every day. That In Buddhist thought, there are two contemplations that predicate every thought you will ever have or every action or every word. And that is to move towards some sense of happiness and to stay away from any sense of suffering. And if you check your mind, you'll see that that's what you're doing every minute of every day. Um, And I always use the analogy of coffee. You know, we move to get a cup of coffee. Why? Because we're feeling dissatisfied on some level. Uh, It's a satisfaction that represents suffering. So what do we do? We go and buy a coffee or make a coffee to move towards some sense of happiness. I mean, it's really simple. But every thought is contemplated or predicated upon that balance between suffering and happiness. So if we get really busy and everything's really important and we don't have time for anything really, um, are we happy? No, we're <laughs> not happy. We're in a state of dissatisfaction. Uh, I'll give you one final example. I, I um, was contacted by five people this week wanting to catch up um, and have a chat about matters and I, I SMS back and said, look, I was really happy to do that. Which day would you like to meet? Um, four out of f- those five people... And I'm now four days down the road from when they contacted me. I still haven't heard from them. (laughs) But they contacted me and said, can we catch up for a chat? And clearly they're too busy to come back and let me know when they'd like to catch up. So I didn't contact them. They contacted me. And I I sat back and had a bit of a laugh because I thought, here is busyness in action, that someone's sent an invitation saying, love to catch up for a coffee. When are you free? And I've sent them a message back to say, look, let's do you know, Tuesday at 9 o'clock, and four days later I've heard nothing. Um, you you kind of go, and they're great people, please, I, I wouldn't for a minute say they're not good people, they are, but but here's another symbol of busyness in action where <laughs> they haven't got time to come back to me and say yes or no. So, so is that really where we want to be, really? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's happiness. I don't think that's satisfaction. Uh, I, I don't think that's what people actually want. But unless we, we call these things out or we highlight them out of compassion and out of kindness and say, look, come on, you can't be that busy. Uh, and if you are, let's rebalance to make sure that you're not quite so busy so that we can re-engage at a really simple level, essentially, a really simple level. It could be just saying hello to the person who makes your coffee in the local coffee shop and getting to know their name, uh, asking them genuinely, how are you? Uh, You know, we haven't talked about in this blog the simple notions of greetings and salutations and sign-offs in emails, but they're really important. They kind of say, if I just use uh, your name, you know, Jordan, blah, 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 Mark, um, I've made the message more important than you. If I say, good morning, Jordan, hi, Jordan, how are you? Before I give my message, I've made you more important than the message, and I think that's fundamental. And the greetings, salutations and sign-offs were very much about saying, I, gi- I regard you highly as a human being. Or what I'm about to say could be difficult, so it could be a, a difficult letter or message, but that's okay. We can do that because I'll start by respecting you for who you are. Now, we move past the person and the acknowledgement. It's barely mentioned. It's, a, it's, it's at best a name. Sometimes I get emails with not even with Mark at the top of the email because the only thing that's important is the message, apparently. Um, Now, if we stop and check our minds, how do we feel about that? It's really subtle because we've conditioned ourselves not to worry about it. But if you stop and check your mind, there's a little bit of affront that goes on there. There's a little bit of uh, of hurt or a little bit of uh, harm that you feel because on some level you feel as though the person hasn't fully engaged with you or acknowledged you, and that is very important for human beings to be acknowledged. And we don't need copious quantities of it in bright lights up on big stages with awards. We just need a basic human sentiment of acknowledgement. So it's just another example where the world's got so efficient apparently and so busy and so effective that to add four letters into before a name, you know, dear Mark or dear Jordan, is apparently a wasting time. So we just get rid of dear and we just use the name and we bark it, then we give our message. I mean, that's the insanity of busyness. And and you wonder why people go out on the street being suspicious or upset or, or a little more aggressive than they perhaps otherwise would normally be because I think the world stopped acknowledging each other to a large degree. Um, so next time, you know, we go to the coffee shop, I've got to know the names of most of the people at the local cafe I go to. And every morning that I go there is a genuine question about how are you today and I, and a genuine listening that goes on. So I am interested. I do want to know. And if they do have a bit of a whinge, maybe that's okay. You know, maybe that's fine. And for the occasional person that never stops whinging, well, maybe you don't quite ask the question so often, but still ask it from time to time to make sure that they know you care about them. And that interaction could be five seconds. And anyone you interact with in the world, as soon as you interact, you're in relationship. You're in relationship, whether it's five seconds, five minutes, five years or the whole of your life, you're in relationship. So whilst ever you're in relationship, five seconds or more, make it worthwhile. Make sure the person knows that you give them due regard. And it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they believe in. It does mean, I think, that you just give them that basic human um, regard to say I'm acknowledging you for who you are, whether I agree with you or not. It's not the point at this point. I'm just giving you due regard for acknowledgement. So... I think that would be nicer, Jordan, and and as um, anyone in leadership, anybody in leadership, implicitly or explicitly, I think owes it to others to give them that courtesy and respect and and should be exemplified in every transaction between individuals. It shouldn't just be in order to look good or to fulfil an obligation. It should be part of character and it should be part of how we operate every minute of every day. If we're going to lead, we don't just lead from nine to five. We're in leadership all the time. And I think it's fundamental.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Allegorical Life. If you're enjoying our podcast, you might like to add a review on iTunes and that'll help other people find us as well. Thank you and we hope to have you with us again soon.